is the Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 140, operating on August 1st, 2022. This is Doug, an airline pilot, and I'm here with Drew, an airline ops manager and private pilot trainee. We're here to discuss aviation topics from an industry insider's perspective. Drew, how was your week? Did you finally order your Piper Warrior cockpit posters? No, dude, I didn't order it. I, I, I still might, but do you know that it's $73 and I'm trying to save money? With my <laughs> training? I'm not surprised. Yeah, so I will do the low budget version, which is to take a picture of it and make a large copy of it at FedEx copies down the street or whatever. Speaking of Piper Warrior, I'm having a whole, I mean, we've had a discussion about my training and I wish... Someone would give me, I wish someone would just tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm getting good advice from you, from other friends who have pilot training. I think I just need someone to tell me what to do because there's so, so many avenues to get this private pilot's license. But I, I want to save that because we have a question from one of our listeners about just that. So I'll mm-hmm. save that. I, I want to talk about you. I You have an exciting trip coming up. You have slept till almost, well, it's definitely midday here. This is really late for you. Yeah, it's very late. Yeah, it's like 1030 so, in the morning, like 1030. So this evening, Doug will be flying his first European flight. You're going to Frankfurt and we're going to talk about Frankfurt yeah. later. But I, 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 all, of, all of our work, all of our work stuff ties in with all of the news topics and, and the main topic. <laughs> like it, this is going to be kind of a, a one topic show today. I feel like with lots of different pieces to that topic. Yeah, I was telling Doug, it's like, why not? Why even have this small talk? Because looking at the topics that our small talk that we normally have is is related to every single topic. Actually, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I want to know, OK, so you're going to Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. You seem like you're very excited. Your first European trip. But I'm intrigued on your sleep planning yeah. because uh, normally as a passenger, when you're going to Europe, you wake up early so you can be closer to their time zone. Mm-hmm. You did. You're doing the opposite. Yeah, because I have to I have to stay awake for the flight tonight. And uh, a lot of European flights leave in the evening, which is I think we push back at 740 tonight. I'm the flying first officer because I'm getting my Atlantic call, which means that I'm going to be flying for the for the first several hours of the flight. I probably won't get my rest until we're mid Atlantic tonight, just like three hours, probably four hours prior to landing, which means that I, I won't be going to bed. And it's only going to be a couple hours on the airplane, but I won't be going to bed now for like 18 hours. And I, I, this was something I did when I was on the KC-10 when I was flying mm-hmm. to Europe was stay up late the night before the flight, try and sleep in as long as you can. And then I'll, I'll probably try and get to the airport a little bit early and go to the quiet room, the crew rest quiet room and just try and take like an hour nap when I get mm-hmm. to the airport, just, just to refresh before, before I have to brief for the flight. Yeah, that's a difference. So if you're a passenger, you want to be awake on arrival. You want to be awake shortly, right? Yeah. You want to be wide awake in the next four or five hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm really excited about this, though, because it's my first time going to Europe since before COVID. I was thinking about it yesterday. I think it's four years the last time. That since I was you've been to Europe? Europe? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, Doug, I know... A lot of your planning will be once you get to the airport, looking at the weather and the routing and stuff. But are you required to do anything before, like right now? I mean, I know this is a big 
trip and you've probably already looked at it, but are you required to do anything There's before not, you get to the airport? Not necessarily a requirement beforehand, but this is my, I'm, I'm getting my qualification to fly to, to fly the Atlantic today. The, the Atlantic is, we can talk about this next week, just the different procedures. The Pacific is a lot easier to fly than the Atlantic because the Atlantic is smaller and it's, it's a much higher density airspace, meaning there are a lot more airplanes in a smaller area. And so we have to get a special qualification, which means that we have to fly with the line check airmen to get that qualification. While it's not technically a check ride, it is a qualification that I have to get. So I did do some studying last night because it's been uh, the, the last time I flew the Atlantic was probably four years ago on the KC-10. It, it's like riding a bike. It, it really isn't all that difficult to get mm. back to, to get back into. But I, I read through some of the procedures last night about who we talk to, who we log in with on CBDLC, what some of the position reporting things are. Is it too, is it too early to say what your routing will be? Because sometimes you're going way north and sometimes you're more easterly almost yeah east coast right yeah and and that that all has to do with the north atlantic tracks the early west coast departures like the the west coast departures that leave at say noon between noon and three they go like flat east because they fly Mm. they fly on the nat tracks the north atlantic Mm -hmm. tracks which coast out off the off the coast of newfoundland and nova scotia a flight this late in the evening we won't even hit the atlantic until tomorrow morning east coast time because we don't get into germany until like five o'clock in the evening mm. or, or a much later flight and because yeah. because of that all of the westbound european flights tomorrow morning will already be in the air oh, so wow. we're gonna we're gonna go much farther north than than those tracks to avoid them mm-hmm. uh, so we're, we're on what's we'll be on what's called a random route mm-hmm. uh, flight aware already has like a i guess a shell flight plan built yeah, that, that changes. I, I mean, we'll we'll get our actual flight plan about two hours prior to takeoff tonight. But I, and that I, also depends on the jet stream, right? Exactly. The jet stream, exactly. Yeah, and, and also where those organized tracks are going to be westbound tonight or, mm-hmm. or tomorrow morning, because we we need to avoid those because we don't want to go head on with those organized tracks, and it's a series yeah. of like five or six tracks. And if you look at Flight Radar twenty four or Flight Aware, you can see this long conga line of airplanes on like five or six tracks going across the Atlantic. We're yeah. probably going to go farther North than that so that we're not going head on into the traffic. I'll make a prediction. Well, not a prediction. I I, I know for sure you'll be taking off on runway two, eight, right. You'll probably be probably the heaviest... two, eight left to two, two, eight Wait, left is longer. No, they're, they're, they're the same, but left they're is... the same. We, okay. we generally take off on the left because planes are landing on the right. Okay, so two eight left. So you're taking off to the west, and I wonder if this will be the heaviest plane you've ever flown. Because I know it's going to be a full flight. I don't believe it has a lot of cargo, but you have a lot of fuel. Do you think it might be the heaviest flight you've ever flown? It probably, yeah, it, it'll be close. Taipei was pretty heavy. We had a lot of cargo, and Taipei was actually a longer flight, so we had more oh. more gas. But it wasn't as full in the back. You said we probably won't have a lot of cargo because Lufthansa canceled the majority of their flights today because of a ground strike. We might actually end up taking some cargo that would have been on one of the Lufthansa flights. So yeah, right. this very very well could be. And we're we're on a three hundred ER as well. Okay. Yeah. What we, was? Do you remember the weight of Taipei about? You know, I don't. I, I'm guessing we're probably going to be somewhere in the mid 700s, seven seven twenty seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Thousand pounds is so, probably what I'm guessing for tonight. Pounds. Yeah, you'll give us a full report on the next episode. I'm sure. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I also want to know about your uh, your non rev trip. 
So you went, no, no, actually you were. It was, a, it was revenue. Yeah. It was revenue. You went to Dubuque. You can't say it. I can say Dubuque <laughs> as much as I want until they start complaining. Went to Dubuque and you came back via Salt Lake City. And I, you're saying, okay, so you said that I said, it look, looks like it's going to be good weather from what I see. I don't think that was this flight. Wasn't that an, another flight that you were actually flying that I told no, you? That? No, it was, it was, it was this one. I, I laughed about it because I was, if the listeners remember, I was worried about getting back because I had to work on Saturday and we were flying back revenue on Friday. And just with all the issues going on that everyone has read about, I, I was a little bit worried, had a uniform with me and I made some comment to you about like, well, here goes nothing. And you, mm-hmm. you said, looks like it's going to be great <laughs> weather or good weather from what I see. We got to Salt Lake we were on approach. It was it's bumpy. And it was a random. Anyone who's flown into Salt Lake knows it, it can be bumpy with the winds. And we went around, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting." <laughs> we came back around, and we're on approach, and it's bumpy, and we're down close to the ground, and we went around again. And I was like, "Uh oh, I have never gone around twice mm. yeah, as a as a passenger. Never gone around twice as a pilot either. That that was my first two two time go around." And mm-hmm. I was watching on the monitor with the the flight time, and it went from showing one minute to destination mm-hmm. on, after the second go around, and mm-hmm. we, we turned away from the airport and we're just screaming away. And it says an hour ten to destination, and I was like, "Oh no, we're diverting to Denver or something." Did it, did or, it or change Reno. to Denver? Did the destination change? The destination didn't change. The time changed, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, it was like it, it jumped right back down to three minutes, and we actually. Mm-hmm came in from the opposite direction. We had been coming in from the south initially and Saw then that. and then we ended up coming in from the north. Got on the ground. I was like, "Oh my gosh." And Marissa was across the aisle and I kept saying to her like, "I think we might be diverting. This is going to be interesting." What well, was it? Was it bad were people concerned? Be, uh, yes, yeah. Uh they were not concerned about safety. They were concerned about mm-hmm. what was going on and the the people that I was sitting next to, because Marissa was with the kids on the other side of the aisle, so I was sitting next to two random people. And was it bumpy? Had, it was very bumpy, but no, no one seemed worried. People mm. seemed more worried about the their the, connection, the connection, yeah, and, and the <laughs> diversion. We ended up landing. We got there. It was fine. And then as we were taxiing out, this giant cell went over the airfield, and we sat at the end of the runway for like forty five minutes, and the airplane was shaking while we while this storm was going over the top of us. Captain was really good. He, he was telling us what was going on. And then they did a runway swap. So we had to get on the runway, taxi all the way down to the the end of the airport because they changed, after the storm went through, the winds changed direction. Mm-hmm. So we ended up getting in like an hour, hour and a half late. But at that point, we were on the airplane to San Francisco. I didn't really care yeah. what the delay was because we had made yeah, our connection home free. home free at that point. I'm actually going to post this meme on our website because I'm still laughing about it. So I, I don't who did, so Doug sends me this meme, which I immediately forwarded to everyone, any av geek that I knew. It's this meme of this, um, you know, this is military <laughs> action going on. And there's like smoke because they're in a war, right? They're in some kind of front lines of the war. And the general or whatever is like, we need air support. <laughs> and then the picture on the bottom is a Cessna 172 with <laughs> flying a sign that says, you're doing great. <laughs> so, and I sent you that meme. I, well, you didn't get it, but I sent it to our, our group of friends. Come on, Doug, you can do it. This is on your third approach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with the, just the, you're doing great. <laughs> like That's going to help you. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's a great meme. I will I will definitely put it on. <laughs> Whoever created it, thank you. We will give you credit if we can find out who you are. Yeah, I, I don't know who it was. I've seen it all over the place. Yeah, it's pretty okay. funny. All right. Should we should we avoid talking about your work because you're going to sprinkle it in as we talk about the topics? Yeah. A lot of my work is going to be sprinkled in because these these things that you have almost every single one, diversions, supply chains, pilot training, every single thing involves our lives. So let's just incorporate it. Well, we've talked extensively over the past several months about how the global aviation industry is struggling to keep up with the unexpected surge in demand from consumers. Qatar Airways CEO Akbar Al-Baker said this week that he expects the aviation sector will be disrupted for years, saying, quote, COVID has damaged the supply chain of the industry. I think it'll last for a couple of years. It is not going to go away tomorrow. Airbus CEO Guillemin Fari echoed that statement, saying he expects supply chain issues to continue into 2023. Closer to home, U.S. lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are, propose- are proposing legislation to address several issues in the industry, including raising the mandatory retirement age for pilots to 67, caps on airfare, fining airlines for operational missteps, and blocking industry consolidation. Drew, there's a lot to unpack here. Let's discuss what, what was in this intro and then a lot of our news topics have to have to do with all of this. Yeah, I would just, um, you know, you can find this all over the news. I would just like to talk about this from my personal experience with supply chain issues at the airport, at the airlines, I wanted to ask you, so this, are they re-looking at this retirement age for pilots to 67? Because I thought they that, are. that failed, or is that? No, they're, they're, they had talked about it, but I don't think there was actually legislation, and that was proposed on Monday. There, there's a bill oh. in the Senate now that raises the mandatory pilot retirement age to 67 67 yeah that's a good yeah. start maybe the previous one was 70 i don't remember what it was here's my thought on that the mm-hmm. about the retirement age it's just a band-aid it's yes. it's not actually addressing the systemic issue of the pipeline and, yeah. and getting people into the pipeline it's just going to kick the can down the road for two years and those pilots if it does go to 67 those pilots won't be allowed to fly outside the united states they won't even be allowed to fly over Canadian airspace because international 65. international rules right now are 65. Right. They could they could only fly domestic flights. Yeah. They, the, a flight from Boston to Detroit goes over Canadian airspace. Hmm. These pilots wouldn't even be allowed to fly. Oh, that's a problem. Domestically yeah. from Boston to Detroit. I don't think that this is going to pass. I, hmm. I think that it's it's a band aid. They need to address it from the bottom. Meaning, uh, how do we create more pilots? How do how do we incentivize people to come into the industry as opposed to giving two more years on the backside? Unless ICAO gets involved and says, hey, we can raise the age a little bit and then all the countries agree. But that's a long process. That's I'm a sure, long right? I mean, you've got 200 countries then that have to agree to it at that yeah. point. Yeah. You know, we've um, talked about supply chain issues a, a lot on this podcast. So instead of looking at um, going through news reports. Let me just tell you how it plays out in the real world. And Doug, you've, you've experienced this as you're working in this environment where there's scarcity of everything, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about supply chain pl- supply chain issues on the front lines when you're working for the airlines. So basically, it, it doesn't mean that you give up. You still have thousands of people to move, like at my airport. So you work with what you have. And that's why I get paid the big bucks. I'm smirking here, but Mm. that's what, that's why I get paid to do. And number one, you work with what you have, right? You don't say, "Eh, I can't, there's no way we can work with this. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough 
ground power units. We don't have enough pilots. We don't have enough rampers. You work with what you have. And we talk a lot about my job and prioritization. This is how you bring order out of chaos. So if you have 75% of the cleaners that you need, then you make a plan to work with what you have. So you prioritize. You make sure that the hub-to-hub flights, the, the ones that Doug is flying from San Francisco to Newark are on time. You take care of those. You make sure that your flights that have crew legality issues are taken care of. You put a higher priority on internationals. And then what's left, right? It's musical chairs. So we take two plan delays <clears throat> on flights that are not as critical and those cleaners that we would have used for those flights now can focus on the higher priority flights or the rampers that you have can focus on the higher priority flights. Sometimes I have some of my teammates coming in saying, hey, it's going to be a train wreck with the staffing. And I'm like, no, don't say that because we are station operations. If we're saying it's going to be a train wreck, guess what? It's, it's going to be, be a train, train wreck. wreck. Yeah. <laughs> but if we say, hey, this, this, is our, this is where we're lacking and this is our plan, you got to have a plan. Two more things. You communicate that plan so everyone knows that it's not a train wreck and that we have a plan to deal with this shortage of resources or shortage of equipment or a lack of two wide bodies that we need. This is our plan. And then the last one, and this is for everyone, not just me. This is for customers. This is for you, Doug, flight attendants. Have some patience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if we've communicated to you that we'll be loading your flight in 30 minutes and you're going to take about a 30 minute delay, understand that that decision wasn't just made easily. Just be patient. And what we'll do is we won't board your flight. So you won't have to deal with those customers being impatient on board. We change the departure time. So once we board, we push back, you know, keep yeah. things moving. In Newark the other day, we pushed back two and a half hours late. The pilot, the captain and I, Got, we boarded on time and then it was just this this constant rolling delay and a lot of it came down to some of the subs the subcontractors we didn't have water on board and mm. every single airplane was calling for water and ops was saying we, we're sorry we don't know why they're not answering the phone we mm -hmm. don't see them at any airplane we don't know where they are mm -hmm. that that isn't necessarily a supply chain thing but it, it, it could be considered that because they were probably understaffed mm -hmm. they they were completely overwhelmed. So we pushed back two and a half hours late. And then I, I got a text from you later on saying, oh, I'm so I'm so sorry, dude, because you you did the Flight Radar 24 <laughs> screenshot of Newark. And we were in the queue. That was the, the longest takeoff queue I have ever been yes, in, in I my saw life it. as a pilot or as a passenger. We checked in with ground and we were number 17 for takeoff. Mm -hmm. And by the by the time we took the runway, I was hearing people who were checking in who were like number 35 and mm. number 30, 38 for takeoff. It was yeah. absolutely nuts. It was it was about an hour 10 taxi out of Newark the other day after the two and a half hour delay because we were waiting for water. Now, operations is in a difficult position because they don't know because they haven't received information from that contractor. So I'm sure there was a conversation. Why didn't you tell, tell us about this? And the next day, they'll make a plan and say, how short are you? Okay, let's have planned delays on two flights so we don't yeah. delay all the flights across the board with no organization. We've had that with cleaners. I mean, just imagine, Doug, it's hard getting pilots, which are well-paying jobs. It's hard getting rampers. The rampers actually, you know, they make a decent hourly wage at our company. Mm -hmm. They get a golden uh, benefit package, just like you and me. They get excellent health benefits, excellent travel. We still are having problems finding people. Can you imagine how difficult it is to find people to work in cabin cleaning right now, to work, you know, in the people that do the water service? It's very difficult. But 
I will tell you, I'm, and I'm not sure we're not the only airline, we are making progress and things are getting better. So once again, just be patient. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on to the news, I, I want to address a couple of the things that are in some of these legislation proposals. The first one is limiting ticket prices. Drew, I, I am I am completely against that. It is supply and demand. Big demand right now, higher than 2019 with fewer flights. That That's scarcity, supply that's and scarcity, demand. The, yes. the, airlines, the airlines are going to charge what they need to to be able to to keep those flights from overselling, because mm-hmm. if those flights over or if they sell out, then yeah. when you have then when you have ear ops, you don't have anywhere to put those people. They're not just going to block the seats in case of ear ops. As more people want tickets, the, the price of the ticket goes up. Yeah. Some of the lawmakers were quoted as saying that consolidation has led to higher airfares. That's completely incorrect. Airfares averaged three hundred fifty-five dollars in two thousand nineteen, which is the lowest inflation-adjusted cost since the Bureau of Transportation Statistics began tracking in nineteen ninety-five. We still have a lot of airlines. It's not like there's a lack of competition. No, the the reason that the ticket prices are high right now is because of scarcity. Because mm-hmm. we don't have the workers or the airplanes or the pilots to be able to fly the schedule, but the demand is higher. When, once once things even out, once we get all the employees back, things are going to normalize again. But mm-hmm. legislation capping the ticket fares is is a bad idea. And here's another reason why. Second quarter was huge for revenue for the airlines. All the airlines have reported their second quarter results. And it's, it's record breaking from a revenue standpoint. But their operating margins were squeezed by skyrocketing costs. Yeah. A- extra cost for fuel, extra cost for the suppliers extra cost for overtime for workers mm-hmm. because we raises not back, raises but but we're not back to full full staffing yeah. there's a lot of overtime being given out right now so the airlines are, are being squeezed in in that aspect even though the revenue is high the airlines are also trying to pay down the debt that they amassed over the last two years to survive the pandemic so that they can survive the next downturn which inevitably is going to happen this industry is cyclical and the cares money that the government gave them was only a fraction of what they actually needed. Most of these airlines right. took on huge amounts of debt beyond what the government gave just to be able to survive the pandemic. And they're paying down the debt. And now the interest on that debt is rising because of the inflation. You can see where, where this could turn into a very bad, well, vicious and- cycle. And and the airlines are trying because the, the public is going to be pissed if, yeah. if a recession happens and the airlines go out of business. And so what the airlines are trying to do is they are trying to get back above water Mm -hmm. right now while the times are good, while they can, to be able to survive that next downturn without government assistance. And and that's part of the reason why the airfares are high right now is everything is high right now. (laughs) A gallon of milk costs more than it did. Eggs cost more. Like that's inflation. And to put to put a cap on the airfare would set the, the airlines up for failure when the next downturn happens. It's not if, it's when. Yeah, I think you want to put a cap on that when it's exorbitant, when the profits are exorbitant, when there and when there's only one or two retailers. That's, you know, that's, uh, there's a word for that, unjust enrichment. I, oh, Doug, what is the word? It'll come to me when you're making excessive profits, you know, and no one has a choice. Rac- racketeering. No, it'll come to me. Drew, the, the operating margins, the operating margins in the second quarter, despite mm-hmm. the revenues, were, were relatively small. They barely came out with a net profit, the airlines did. It, yeah. it was it was well below 
the historical high or not not the historical highs but like the record highs of 2015 to 2019 yeah so even, even though the revenues are breaking records the operating margin the airlines are barely making money right now after right. all well, like money in saying- money in minus money out they're oper- that's that's operating margin and the margins are are in in the single digits right now mm-hmm. which it, if you were to yeah, cap the airfares you would be negative and the airlines would be losing money again well yeah and you want to have a strong airline industry and we thought we had that because we had September 11th and the airlines bolstered their finances so that we were ready for another incident like that no one was ready for covid right yeah. that stopped traffic everywhere so you do want the airlines to make some money and have insurance cuz it's going to happen again. We don't know what, mm-hmm. what crisis it'll be. As we mentioned in the previous discussion, some U.S. lawmakers want to halt industry consolidation. Speaking of consolidation, where are we with the Spirit JetBlue or Spirit Frontier merger, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> nothing, re- nothing really to report aside from a cooling off of the back and forth excitement over the last several weeks. The Spirit shareholder vote is, is actually taking place right now right. as we speak. After being delayed already four times, results aren't yet available, and I'm just actually double checking as <laughs> as we talk come out. to see if something has come out. I'm I'm looking as I read these bullet points, but the signs are pointing to a probable outcome, even though the vote hasn't closed. It was reported on Monday that Frontier merger proposal doesn't have enough support from shareholders in the lead up to the vote. Additionally, people familiar with the discussions on the possible JetBlue merger say the talks have yet to produce a breakthrough and has reached a stalemate. It's interesting about this. So they're voting as we speak. Doug may do a breaking news with the edit on what happened because something may happen today. What's interesting, Doug, is they're only voting on whether they they will accept the merger with Frontier. They're not voting mm-hmm. on Frontier versus JetBlue, but it would, would open the way up for that JetBlue discussion if they vote no. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. It's like the shareholders are not listening to the experts, which is the board of directors and the company leaders, you know, they're saying that Frontier would be a better merger. Who knows better than them? <laughs> and these shareholders are not airline people. They could be Robbie's, you know, school teacher retirement fund. What do they know about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But, you know, what was interesting is there's all there's a concern that the DOT will not improve the merger, whether it be with Frontier and Spirit or JetBlue and Spirit. Especially with what the legislators are saying now, that some of this legislation trying to block airline consolidation, that comes at a really bad time for JetBlue, Spirit, and Frontier. Yeah, but you know they have a good argument. American, Delta, United, and Southwest, those are the four biggest. Those four airlines control 75% of the market. This would actually put a fifth airline in that game, what did you say? The average airfares were down to 350, which is it's, it's a good trend, even with historical consolidation. In, in 2019, yeah. E- even with Delta and Northwest getting together, Continental United getting together, American US Air mm-hmm. and America West getting together, ATA, or not ATA, AirTran and Southwest, all, all this consolidation, Virgin Alaska, airfares... Yeah. In 2019, we're at a historical low, low, even after the consolidation. Yeah, and it's more fierce competition when you when you have five, not equal, but five big, big players versus e- four. Close to equal size, as opposed to a lot of regional segregation between some of the different airline types. Yeah.
This is Doug with some late post-recording breaking news. Literally 30 minutes after we finished our recording this week, as is standard, Spirit shareholders announced they reached a verdict regarding the Frontier merger. Spirit has abandoned the merger with Frontier and is now pursuing a merger with JetBlue. This is breaking news. We'll be back next week with more information. Now back to our regularly scheduled content. Doug, thanks for the brief update. We'll keep everyone advised. Hopefully we'll have news um, when we upload this episode. All right, next, back to another part of the opening topic, which you touched on, Doug. U.S. carriers' cost struggles overshadowing the travel demand surge. The second quarter was the best in two and a half years for U.S. airlines, who all posted their first profit since the fourth quarter of 2019, which is great news. Airlines expect the strong demand to continue throughout the second half of the year, and inflation hasn't sh- hasn't yet shown a curb on consumer spending on airline tickets. Interesting. They might be buying less gas, and they might be going out to eat less, but with the airlines, there's no drop in demand. However, despite record levels of demand, airlines are struggling to offset higher costs, even with stronger pricing power. That's exactly what you said. The, the mm-hmm. profit margin isn't huge like people ex- think it is. American, United, and Delta all said that cost pressures are the largest issue they see moving forward and worry that a weakening in demand, whether due to a potential looming recession or historical downturn in winter travel, could possibly lead to further financial pain for the industry. Citibank cut its outlook on American Airlines last week, saying that the carrier is more vulnerable than most of its peers in the event of a downturn. This is the million-dollar question. Are we going to have a full-blown recession or not? I'm now leaning towards what you were saying. It More and more, it looks like we're not. I see gas prices going down. The mm. job market is still good. The planes are still full. Maybe we can fend this off. What do you think? I'm not an economist, but I think that we actually already are in a recession. And a, a recession is a lagging indicator, meaning you don't know about it. You don't know that you were in it until mm. like two or three months later. And, and that's when they can actually say this was the month that the recession started. Yeah. Personally, I, I, I believe that we are in a recession. Uh-huh. I think we'll find out in another couple months that it, it probably started in May or June. There's a but definition of a recession, isn't it? Two yeah, quarters two, of two quarters, negative growth. Two quarters of negative growth. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that we are. But it's a weird one because people are still spending money and am, they're, yeah. they're still going out and com- some companies have slowed the hiring, but mainly like in the in the tech sector, yeah. airlines are still pressing ahead with hiring. You see job wanted signs all over the place for yeah. Starbucks and McDonald's and and skilled labor and, and things like that. Maybe the housing is slowing a little bit, but which that, it should because it was getting it so should expensive. Because, because it got so expensive. If we are in a recession, this is a really weird one because it spending is still continuing, but yet the the output has dropped a little bit. Yeah. If it if we are in a recession and and knock on wood, I, I don't think it's going to be a bad one. I don't think it's really going to impact the airlines too much, aside from what we've talked about, where it's going to bring the demand back to historical levels, meaning normal, not yeah. this, not this crazy hate selling tickets <laughs> like, we, like we have talked about. It, it is going to quell this whole revenge travel mm-hmm. and just get back to a level of normalcy where it's 80, 85% load factors. You can buy a ticket last minute. If there's mm-hmm. ear ops, you can get on the next flight as opposed to this crazy flights are every single flight is oversold because of 
cancellations because of ticket sales, lots of different factors into this. Yeah, I'm already seeing that. I think you're seeing that too. Things are starting to calm down. We do have a lot of full flights, but it's nothing like it was before. We're getting more employees into the system, pilots, rampers, customer service agents. So I'm seeing it start to stabilize. And I don't see, just like you said, I don't see any drop in demand of people talking about travel or wanting to travel. I'm going to be traveling uh, next week to California. Our, our buddy Nate is traveling. You just got back from a vacation. My mom's coming here at the end of the month. This is all great news. There's no, there's no, people aren't stepping off the gas in terms of wanting to travel, which is great. Still staying with the news related to our opening topic. As we said, the aviation struggles aren't just in the United States. They're worldwide. We talked extensively about issues with security and baggage systems in Sydney, London, and Amsterdam. However, as bad as it is in those places right now, nothing compares to Toronto. Do I feel like Toronto has slid under the radar? They really have. That, that they, they have had more struggles than anyone else, but they haven't been in the news quite to the same level. Toronto Airport, which has been named the top international hub in North America for the past five years, is at serious risk of losing that title. According to data from FlightAware, 53% of flights departing Toronto Pearson from June 1st to July 18th arrived late at their destinations. This was by far the worst airport globally when compared to the 100 busiest airports. By comparison, Amsterdam and Heathrow had delays on approximately 40% of their flights, 13% fewer than Toronto. Montreal was in second place at 48.2% of the flights delayed. And Frankfurt, where I'm headed here in just a couple hours, was <laughs> third with 46.2%. Toronto airport authorities say they were caught off guard by the Canadian government dropping COVID restrictions, which has led to a surge in travel to Canada and through Canada. Delays have been decreasing since the peak of 66% on June 30th. Mm. June 30th, 66% of the flights out of Toronto arrived at their destinations late. Yeah. So now that, you know, we're talking about this, we have had ground stops to Montreal, not due to ATC and not due to the weather, because the baggage system couldn't handle the volume. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're seeing. It's all controllable stuff. And yeah, I mean, I think we think it's Canada. I think we all just have this understanding that everything is perfect up there. <laughs> Everyone's so nice. But yeah, they're going through struggles like other parts of the world. All right, let's finish our news topics this week with something positive, Doug. Boeing just released its 2022 pilot and technician outlook, and the numbers are great if you're considering an aviation career. Boeing forecasts demand for 2.1 million new aviation professionals over the next 20 years. That is a 3.4% increase over last year's forecast. So we're talking about 602,000 new pilots, 610,000 new maintenance technicians, almost a million new cabin crew. The global commercial fleet, I, I, this was shocking. The global commercial fleet is expected to double by 2041 to 47,000 planes. So all through history, uh, we've had this growth in aviation, but just in the next 20, less than 20 years, the fleet is supposed to double. That's, mm -hmm. that's crazy. Yeah. China, Europe, and North America account for more than half of the expected growth. The fastest growing regions are Africa, Southeast Asia, and South Asia. And next week or the coming week, we'll be doing this huge story about Air India ordering 200 to 300 planes. We're mm -hmm. seeing these stories, Vietjet, Vietnam, they order 200 737s. You'll see more and more stories like that in that part of the world. Yeah. And as I was doing the research for this episode, I, we missed this a couple of weeks ago. 
China ordered almost 300 A320s for the four major Chinese airlines wow. just, just like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. It's not and even news. It, I mean, there's so many orders it, like that. Exactly. Like it, it didn't make front page. It, it didn't cross our radar at all. And that, that is a massive order. And that wasn't associated with the Farnborough Air Show either. The, the big splashy orders yeah. that come out of the air show. Yeah, th this is incredible that... W while we are still emerging from COVID, we're talking about this massive growth. And we've talked about this for years on this podcast, Drew, about yeah. if you want to get into the, an aviation career, it doesn't matter if you're at a second stage in life, if, if you're having a, a midlife crisis, now is <laughs> now is the time to do it. Now is absolutely the time to get in because we're just going to see this explosive growth over the next 10 to 20 years. Well, you're talking about a midlife crisis. Are you talking about me? <laughs> no. Is that a pointed question? No, no I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convince Nate to finally get over the hump. And, yeah. And, well, actually, breaking news. Our, mm -hmm. Let me let me pull up this text. Yeah, buddy, from Eric. Our buddy Eric, the yes. travel agent, he texted me this morning and said that he just got hired at a major airline. Can we just say? No, I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's just not. He got hired at yeah. a major airline. It's, the, it's his preferred carrier. Mm -hmm. So we'll get, maybe we'll have him on and, you know, just... He's probably really excited. He just found out this morning. Yeah. So he's coming on with the airline. So welcome to the family, Eric. That might be good or bad, depending on if you hate it once you're here. It's not easy, yeah. but it is very rewarding. And then I have another buddy, David, who's going to an interview uh, with our airline in Phoenix tomorrow. Okay. And then we have Greg, our, another close friend that's looking for a job that will probably find something soon. So yeah, there's a lot of openings. Now is the time to put in. And if you are not putting in, if you're a younger person who's in college or going to college or thinking about an aviation career, you know, it used to be that there wasn't a lot of money in this industry for, for the longest time. Not anymore. And don't just think about airline pilot. Think about operations where I work. Think about being a flight attendant. They get paid pretty well now. Think about being a, a maintenance technician. They get very well paid. Mm-hmm. And it's um, you have A and P license. I think you can get it in less than a year. It's not overwhelming what you have to do to have a good, solid job in aviation. And Greg even said, you know, there's people like he would rather be a technician than be a pilot because he likes working on the planes more than flying it. So yeah, get, getting it, his hands dirty, tinkering with with the airplane. Yeah. And we've had Roxy, who's a flight attendant for a major Middle East carrier. She loves her job. We mm -hmm. talk a lot about we talk about a lot about pilots and airport ops because that's what we do. But don't think that there's not all kinds of other things that you can do in the airlines. Drew, I, I had a flight attendant on my flight back from Newark the other day who was in the flight deck for a little while and was just asking about some of the gauges. And I got mm -hmm. to talking with him. He ha he's working on his ATP right now. And mm -hmm. I was asking him how long he's been thinking about flying. And he said that he's always wanted to be a pilot but he joined the airline as a flight attendant yeah. and then loved it. And he mm -hmm. said that for, yeah. for several years, he, he just put off the, the pilot thing because he's yeah. like, actually, I love doing this, the flight attendant work. Right. And then finally during the pandemic, when he was furloughed, he said that was when it, it kicked into gear. And he said, let me go get my, all my licenses and, and go fly. People love anything in the airline. They, they, they love do. what they do. Here's someone who thought he wanted to be a pilot, ended up mm -hmm. being a flight attendant for years. Well, that's my story. I thought I wanted to be a pilot. Then I ended up loving airport ops for the last, what, I can't even remember how long it was, 20 to 30 years. Exactly. But now I have that itch. I want to try something new new and exciting, not necessarily as a job, but as something, you know, something new to learn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the show, you can tell how excited I am about it. So it's, it's, it's great. There's a lot of stories like that, Doug. So, you know, my, my buddy Chris, who was a flight attendant supervisor, went through the whole furlough thing. He is now, it just seems like yesterday. 
he went from that. He is now a first officer with Commute Air. Yeah. And he is on track very soon to be a co-pilot like you with us. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that? How, how people turn a bad situation into something crazy good. It, it's just it's just awesome to see. All right. Let's jump into part two of our comparison on procedures between the Piper Warrior and the Boeing 777. I'll go first this week since you went first last week. We're going to talk. Oh, about man. That. But yours is going to be so cool compared to mine. Checking the mix. It's not. No, it's because we're talking about engine failures. Uh, I'm going right. to go first. If, if we lose I was an engine. I was in awe last time of we, how how exciting or how how interesting that was with uh, a 777 takeoff. An engine failure on the 777 is the most boring thing in the world, which is what? why I'm, uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm going to go first. Okay. If if we lose an engine in flight or any, not not any, we, we have about a dozen what we call immediate action items. If something that we have to memorize, if something bad happens, we have to know what switch to push at that particular time. Okay. All of the other emergencies that we have, we wait until the checklist pops up and we follow the checklist. So they're very stop. Where does this, does this pop up on the ICAS on the ICAS? Mm-hmm. Cause the airplane, oh. the airplane does diagnostic tests and it, it tells you what you need to run then. So, so they're, what would they're you only... do on a seven th- I'm sorry. This is like all good stuff. What would you do on a seven thirty seven with no ICAS? Did you take no, a laminated you, form from someplace? You, you, would t- you would take the laminated form. And if it wasn't on there, you, you would have to know what was on the form. If it wasn't on there, you would have to get into the iPad and actually get into the flight manual and, and run the checklist in the flight manual. Is that the laminated trip- form the QRH? It's the QR. Yeah. Yeah. The quick reference. Handbook. Handbook. Okay. Sorry. Mm-hmm. On the 777, if we're airborne and we get an engine failure, we turn the fuel control switches to cut off and then run. So you take them off and you turn it back on. It's it's our fuel control. It's, it's okay. a, a knob. Take it off, turn it back on, and then you hit the ram air turbine button, which is this this propeller that drops down that yes. starts spinning, and that's what powers our electrics and our hydraulics. Those are the only two steps. If we lose Can an engine... Stop. No, this I, that's the wrap. We have that the all rat. the time where the rat is deferred and they have to fix the rat. And the rat is the coolest thing ever because it could literally save your life. So it's it this can. little propeller that pops out in the back when the electricity, when the electrics don't work, it turns and it generates electricity to power your avionics, right? It's like a windmill. Yeah. Yeah. I, cool. I mean, that if we lose an engine in flight, those are literally the two steps. Cut off, run, hit the rat button, and then we get into the checklist and the checklist is expanded. And it tells us a lot more of what to do, but it's just those two immediate action items that we do. It's it's okay. that simple. If we lose an engine on the ground, the airplane has what's called thrust asymmetry compensation. Mm-hmm. If we lose an engine on, actually not just on the ground, at, at any point, if we lose an engine, the rudder will compensate automatically. So I don't need to put much rudder in. Like on the on the KC-10, if I lose an engine, we get this big adverse yaw. Yeah. I have to put rudder in to get the nose back over and correct it on the triple, it does it for you. No way. Have mm-hmm. you experienced that in the in the simulator? In the sim. We, we had to practice in the sim a few times, yeah. And it's auto-corrected and you were like, oh my God, that's... It, it gets within, it, it, it's like two to three degrees away from center, which means I just have to put a little bit of rudder in myself mm. and then I'd, I'd use the trim to get mm-hmm. it zeroed out. On, on the 10, you have to go like full... Full left or, full left or right boot on the on the rudder. You have to manhandle that thing. <laughs> the triple is just so easy. That, that's what I'm saying. It's boring. Yeah. You lose an engine. It's it's boring. What are some things? That's it. That's it. Okay. So no, you're not done yet. 
So on the ICAST, a checklist pops up for you so you don't have to find this laminated paper thing. Mm -hmm. What what are some things on that checklist? I know you don't have to memorize that, but what are some things on the checklist that come up in the ICAST when you've lost an engine? When you've lost an engine, it's it's having you shut down certain hydraulic systems and electrics, but a lot of it is done by the airplane. When the checklist comes up, if a if a system is shut down, like a hydraulic system is shut down, the airplane uh-huh. Whichever one is supposed to be shut down, the airplane knows which engine failed. The airplane knows what systems to shut down. So when you pull up that checklist, it already shows green because the airplane already did it for you. And the airplane is telling you, I've already done this for you. So you just move on to the first white item on the checklist. That's an actual pilot thing that you have to do. There are very few actual steps like buttons that we press after we lose an engine. The majority of it is just notes to the pilot saying land as soon as practical um what what sort of approach to fly like what mm. flap setting things like that yeah. and it, it's more of just a review for us as the pilots than actually doing anything with the airplane because the airplane takes care of a lot of it okay so we may have to start a whole new other podcast just to talk about this because we could go on and on about this because i have 20 other questions for you <laughs> but we're at 48 minutes right now and we got we got listener we, we, questions to answer and we, so, we have to hear, we have to hear about your engine failures yeah okay so my i, I will keep it short um, I will tell you right now, I have no ICAST. <laughs> when things go wrong, it's all on me. <laughs> Which <laughs> and, is you're sing- and you're a single engine, too. <laughs> single engine. So real quick, if my engine fails on takeoff roll, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> or even if you've rotated, yeah, just, just, bring just it land. Just bring it back down. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, when you said that when you're at 100 knots, you don't have enough concrete to stop the plane is that what you said no we do we always have enough concrete to stop the plane but 100 knots is where we Mm -hmm. go from the low speed where we abort abort for almost everything Mm -hmm. to the high speed where we only abort for a fire engine failure or wind shear we can we can stop on the runway as Mm -hmm. long as we abort prior to v1 we always have enough concrete to stop it Okay, so in the Piper Warrior, I always have enough runway, period, (laughs) even at a tiny airport, because on my takeoff roll, so our plan is usually to lift off mid-field, mid-runway, right? So that runway is 3,000 feet long, which is a tiny runway to begin with. Our plan is to to lift off at about 1,500 feet. If I have an engine problem and I'm not off the ground, I'm just going to stop. It's not a big deal. But if I am off the ground and my speed is usually about 73 to 63 knots as the plane is climbing, there's just a few things that I'm checking. There's no laminated QRH or an ICAST, but you just have to memorize this. So I'm checking my mixture. That's the mixture. That's the ratio of fuel to air. So I make sure that's rich. Now on takeoff, I should have been at rich anyway. So maybe I forgot to do that and Mm -hmm. it's too lean and the basically the engine is being starved of fuel. So quick fix right there. My other quick fix is to check if the fuel pump is on. The electric fuel pump is supposed to be on, on takeoff. So maybe I forgot to do that, so I checked that real quick. Boom, there it is. Third thing, check the fuel selector. So I have two tanks, left wing and the right wing. If I'm not, if the engine's failing, maybe I'm not drawing fuel from that tank, from the tank I'm on. So I'll just change tanks. So all this can happen in just a few seconds, and I don't have to ditch the plane someplace. I can... it, it would solve the problem. Like it would the, solve the, the problem. The mixture would stop choking it or the different fuel tank. There could be a kink in the line and right. the engine would kick back on. Right. So before throwing your hands up in the air and giving up, it's like you can do these three things quickly. And I'm getting to the point. I mean, we did it so many times that now. Remember you said that your hand was just moving automatically mm-hmm. through the flows. 
this is one of the things where my I would move automatically. Boom, boom, boom. Check all those. Yeah. All right. So if that, none of that works, then I got a, a plan for a power off landing. So before we take off, we do a quick briefing. If the engine fails, this is where we're going to go and land. I know the terrain. I know that if we take off on this runway, there's some grass on this side. There's a neighborhood on this side. So I'm going to go towards the grass or the, the open field. So I already know that. Ideally, you don't want to do that. You want to bring the plane back to the airport. I can only have a chance of that if I've turned crosswind, I've turned left, and if I can see the runway at the, at the edge of my wing, according to Terry, my flight instructor, I should be able to make it back. So I'm going to do a turn back to the airport. I'm going to try and maintain maintain 73 knots, which is VG, which is the best glide speed for mm -hmm. the airplane. Is there a best glide speed for the 777? I'm sure there is. I, I don't know what it is. No. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to try and stay at 60, uh, 73. But, you know, if if my speed is higher, Terry said, just just keep up, keep up with it because that'll get you to the runway. You want to make sure that you make the runway, number one. This These two parts, I'm really not going to focus on. It's on the checklist, but they're not in bold. So that tells me this is not urgent. <laughs> so I'm supposed to do a mayday call, and I'm supposed to change the transponder to 7700. Mm -hmm. I will be honest with you. If this happened, that is the last thing I'm thinking about. I'm going to bring the plane on the ground. and. Yeah. I'll communicate that I'm on the ground, not communicating that I might not make it. At this point, I want to make sure there's not a fire. The engine is not starting. So at this point, I'm setting up the plane to make sure if it does crash, that there's not going to be a fire. So now I'm going to turn the mixture, bring it all the way down. So the, there's no fuel going into the engine at all. Turn off the battery switch. So the electronics are off. Make sure the magnetos are off. That's like the ignition key. It has two mm -hmm. magnetos or both. Turn that off. Fuel selector turn it off so that th there's no fuel being drawn. Check the seat belts, harnesses, and then I'm going to touch down and probably have to find out what the hell happened. <laughs> yeah. But I'll just be happy to be on the ground. That is emergency landing. That is a, a engine failure. What do we have? So next week, I can't... Oh, landing. We're doing landing checklist for the 777 and the Piper Warrior. Mm -hmm. That was pretty fast. All right. We, we did that yeah. in two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. It, it brings me back to my single engine days when I was at, in the same position as you were learning, just learning how to fly. It's fun. Yeah. All right. We got to get to the, these listener questions because they provided us questions that the our content that we have are basically two other segments right now. So let's get going on that. Doug, the listeners love hearing about our work, especially about your flying and now mine too, as they just heard. Uh, we got some great questions from listener Donovan about flying and heads up uh, a heads up on a new LCC low cost carrier service. Donovan said, hello, Doug and Drew. This LCC Sun Country looks like it will be starting new service. They do currently offer shuttle service between Eau Claire and Duluth, but this seems like it'll be air service to Eau Claire. It looks like it's due to a major airline pulling its daily service. The DOT issued this directive to avoid what happened to Doug City of Dubuque. Sorry, Tyler. So it looks like the DOT is stepping in to save some of these cities. What are your thoughts? So let's talk about that. He has uh, like a three-part question. <laughs> yeah, I think Eau Claire is an EAS city, which means that they, they need to have that service. Sadly, Dubuque is not. So I, I don't think that that'll happen. American is the one who serves. Well, actually, Dubuque is not EAS because it's close enough to other cities with air mm -hmm. service. Okay. American started that bus service out of Philly to like Atlantic City and Wilmington and a, a couple other places. I'm kind of surprised or, or I guess hoping that maybe American will come 
come back to Dubuque via bus service. I, I know that's not the same as flying a, an airplane in. How far to Chicago? Two and a half hours to O'Hare. Yeah, sounds like a good bus route. SkyWest is the airline that is departing Eau Claire. Sun Country is coming in with 737s, but I I have mixed thoughts about this, Doug. So they're going to be flying a couple of times a week, and they're going to Fort Myers, Orlando, and Las Vegas. My understanding is the whole purpose of EAS is to con- connect, connect these customers to the rest of the world. Maybe, right? Eau Claire, Where, maybe Eau Claire is not EAS then. It is. Oh, it, it is. is. So um, looking into this, I checked to see if this was an EAS. And it is because the DOT was looking for bidders for this route. You would think that they would run to Minneapolis. Right. This is not connecting customers in... It's not connecting the people of Eau Claire to the rest of the world. It's connecting vacationers to Fort Myers, Orlando, and Las Vegas. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I'm not. But I'm saying that's not a business reason. Yeah. That's not really... How, not, how does that help an executive who's trying to get to a conference or something? Well, yeah, and it's all people leaving Eau Claire. What about bringing businesses and commercial traffic, which is where the big money is, to Eau Claire? So that's a problem. The airline that was operating there, I believe, so SkyWest was operating daily to Chicago with 50-seat CRJs, no doubt. Maybe SkyWest's plan of starting this charter, which we talked about, with 30 seats so that they can get pilots, maybe they can restart these. I think that is much more useful for a city like Eau Claire to have a daily flight or flights to a major hub so that people in Eau Claire can go everywhere and people from everywhere can get to Eau Claire, not just from Fort Myers. Dubuque has like once once monthly service on Sun Country to Biloxi. That is not, yeah, that's not going to affect the economy of Dubuque. So the other bidders for this were Southern Air Express uh, daily to Minneapolis and Chicago, but only nine seats. But still, I think that would have been a better option. I think option. that's better. Mm-hmm. And then the the third bidder was Boutique Air with uh, eight seats. I think they were also they were going to Minneapolis also. I, yeah. I still so, think that's better. I think that's, that's better too. I think it's better yeah. for the economy and building a bridge for people from Eau Claire. You're in Eau Claire. You want to go to Paris. Are you going to connect through Fort Myers? <laughs> you want to go from Eau Claire to New York. Are you going to go to Vegas and then back? It, it doesn't make sense. But anyway, but if you're going to Vegas for two days, which is really not that important, you can go on a 737, but you have to find it it has to be on a Tuesday or whenever they fly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, twice a week. (laughs) Second question. I also wanted to say that I love I love to hear all of Doug's stories of the 777, because even though and unfortunately, I have never been on one, the 777 is my favorite passenger aircraft. Donovan, you're going to get that on every episode. (laughs) Yep. Thank you. As you did twice already. Uh, and to Drew, keep the Piper stories coming. I am just a big av geek because when you talk about the patterns, approaches, I can see it and follow along. I want to be a pilot so bad myself, but as you have mentioned, price is a factor. With hearing the stories, I get to live through you in a way. That is so nice to hear. And, you know, I- I'm living this as we speak. So for people that want to go into private pilot, training please listen to this podcast because you're getting real time what it's like mm-hmm. and i'm going through a change in my thought pattern right now that i've been talking to doug about in the beginning you go in with sparkles in your eyes and everything's great and you're not thinking about money or time it's like let's just go do this it's so wonderful but now i'm to the point where I'm, i am looking at the dollar signs and i am looking at now i'm more purposed i want to get this done with a reasonable budget And I'm thinking about taking a ground school class or one of these programs that all these people have and just doing the ground school. I didn't even know this. You can do the ground school 
on your own, buy one of these programs or just get a big book and you can take the FAA exam whenever you want. And everyone, including you, Doug, is telling me that's actually going to prepare me better for the flying part because I'll have all that all study. That, all done. that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned. I'll tell you how it works. Um, and then once I'm done, I will do what I wanted someone to do for me. I will tell you what to do <laughs> to save money. No, I'm serious. I will tell you on this podcast exactly what to do to do it quickly, save money, and um, make it uh, useful. Now, he also said, you you both do a great job, and thank you for all you do. Hopefully, one day, I'll get to join you to either be a pilot or a member of the staff. Donovan, don't say hopefully if this is what you want. You're going to work through it. You're going to get it, and you're going to love it. So yeah, don't you- say hope. Donovan, you could be one of those 2.1 million new people in the industry that Boeing was predicting. Yep, exactly. It's, it's never too late. Well, that's yep. great news. Great news about service to small city. And thanks for the great questions. We love them. We also got a firsthand review of the Air New Zealand Sky Couch, which we mentioned a couple weeks ago. This is from our, our listener, Chris, down in New Zealand. We've talked about some of his comments before. He said, hey, guys, loved you talking about Air New Zealand sky nest cynicism aside. We call the Sky Couch Cuddle Class, and my wife and I got one by chance, no one in the third seat, on our way back to Auckland for Vietnam. Gives more options, but more appropriately should be the Spooning Class, and he did a laugh, <laughs> a rolling laughing emoji. There's not that much room, especially in the row, in, especially if the row in front has their seats fully reclined. Great episode. Thanks heaps for talking about us down under. Have a good one, and keep well. Thanks, Chris. That's awesome. Thank you, Chris. Cuddle class, spooning class. I I can see it. I I can see it. There's not a lot of room between the seats and you you pop the the little leg rest out and it touches the seat in front and that's the space that you have. Right. So if you're with your girlfriend or boyfriend and you just got engaged, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> you're cuddling. I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, people have referred to economy as cattle class. Yeah. This is cattle class. Cattle class. <laughs> <laughs> this last one, this is our final listener feedback. This is from AJ. AJ said, I've, I've listened to you guys since the beginning. Thank you, AJ. And I just love your perspectives as a former global service and current 1K. So he's a frequent flyer. I find your info particularly interesting, not to mention after spending the past three plus years commuting between D.C. and Auckland on about a monthly basis, I was exposed to a lot of interesting travel matters that have fueled my lifelong passion for aviation. We have openings, by the way, AJ. (laughs) 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 Drew, I have a question regarding last week's crazy storms in the D.C. area. I live in Baltimore, and uh, you're welcome. The spot, all the spotters in Baltimore and Raleigh, Durham, <laughs> they, you're yeah. welcome. You got to see triple sevens land, seven sixty sevens. I hope you enjoyed that. AJ did. So, so anyway, he said, curiously, some of the international flights seem to have canceled. Was this due to crew? Did all diverted international flights have to do the same? I presume passengers took buses to Dulles. Thanks for the info. Keep on recording. So yes, in this situation, once the crew runs out of time. If they're in a, um, what do we call that? A sister city co-terminal. Co-terminal. We mm-hmm. talked about that. So Baltimore is a uh, co-terminal to Dulles. It's not that far. Crew uh, went illegal. So these flights are long. I think these were coming from Athens. Crew ran out of time. So now we can't fly that plane with the people over to Dulles. So we just got a bunch of buses and get all the people home that, that evening. Not preferred, but Dulles is close enough that we can bus them. If we can't do that. If uh, the aircraft is in, we had an Athens flight go to Cleveland or Pittsburgh. I can't remember which one. And we talked about this on the episode. I'm not going to send buses to Cleveland. What we did was there was a crew that was flying a 787 to San Francisco. They show up all happy because they're going to SPO. 
No, you are now going to Cleveland <laughs> to rescue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> They're on a seven thirty-seven as uh, non-revs as positive space to Cleveland to go fly that seven eighty-seven back to Dulles because that crew is now illegal. And those people got back that evening. Now, the other option, if we can't do that, is to overnight that plane in Cleveland with the whole crew and fly them the next morning um, when the crew has had enough rest. So we have a lot of smart people. All the airlines have smart people in their dispatch, NOC, working on these plans. And in the stations, we will give them recommendations also. We'll be like, no, don't do an overnight delay in Baltimore. We're sending buses right now. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. we won't even ask. We'll just send the buses because we have a setup for that. I had a situation. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast where we had one of our 757s coming from Paris diverted to uh, um, Bangor, Bangor, Maine. Mm Mm-hmm. So what do we do? We don't have anyone in Bangor, Maine, right? There's no employees that work for our airline. So what did we do? I got a call from NOC. We have a 757 at Dulles, which is not routed at the time. Found pilots, uh, didn't have flight attendants, but they were going to use the same flight attendants. So they said, hey, can you, can you and some customer service and ramp employees fly up to Bangor like now? <laughs> to take, take care of this airplane on the ground. And I was like, this is so exciting. It's like, absolutely. So I walk over to where the customer service and rampers are because some of them work in the office. All right. I'm going to Bangor, Maine. I got to take about five people with me. Who wants to go? I don't know when we're coming back. I have no idea where we're staying or eating. Immediately, I got plenty of people more than I needed. You know, it's just amazing how airline people are. Yeah, we're like, we love it. And we want to go save our crews and customers. So Flew on the 757 with just the pilots and uh, my employees. When it's um, just employees, there's an exemption. You don't have to have a flight attendance because mm-hmm. the pilots will sit, show us the emergency procedures. Get to Bangor, take care of those people. We have customer service agents rebooking them. Ramp is offloading the bags, doing all that. And then the next morning, flew back to, we actually flew to Newark. That plane was going to Newark. So we flew to Newark with those customers. And guess what? Nothing was on Twitter. There's no angry comments on Facebook because they saw that we were doing everything that we could do. Those customers were actually very happy to see us. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. to see actual airline employees and baggage handlers and customer service agents. I mean, all I'm doing is walking around doing, you're doing great. <laughs> I'm the meme, right? But I am helping organize stuff. If you end up getting called up to Banger again like that, I know a going. great. I I know an absolutely amazing lobster roll place. Let me know and I'll I'll tell you where to go. Yeah, I'll be calling you because if they ever need me again, I'm do I'm going again because the people in Banger. If anyone's listening from Banger, you guys are awesome. Banger is a small airport. I I love yeah. I, I love going to Banger. So helpful. Yeah. And it's almost like they are they're used to it because that 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 is that is one of the main when when you're flying East Coast to Europe and Europe to East Coast, Bangor is one of the main diversion airports and and they are used to getting airplanes all of the time in in the Bangor. It's just it's a normal it's a normal thing for them. Right. Well, AJ, thanks for the great question. But uh, we're going to blame you because now we're over on time again because it was such a good question. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that we didn't push these to next week because we're probably going to get more listener feedback. We, we might have gone a little bit long, but we got yeah. caught up on, on the listener feedback, which means the lines are open. Email us, text us, do, do, do whatever you guys want. Let us know what your questions are. This podcast is your show. So go on our website, nextripnetwork.com. Let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. 
please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. And I apologize that I'm finally now awake. I'm I'm hitting my side <laughs> You're now. Ready to go. An hour ago, I was just in the in the in the drain. I'm <laughs> one giant cup of coffee in. I'm ready to mm-hmm. go fly. I apologize about probably the first thirty minutes of this episode. Yeah. So if you were fl- flying from Frank SFO to Frankfurt tonight, you got a first offer that is raring to go. That's bouncing off the walls, ready to provide excellent service. And <laughs> thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We will see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. 